Hey guys, it's Melissa here from MelissaOatman.com. Welcome to Awaken Your Inner Awesomeness, a daily podcast devoted to spirituality and self-help. If you're new, I want to welcome you. If you're returning, welcome back. So today I wanted to talk to you about body image, body dysmorphia, and eating disorders. And even if you don't suffer from any of these things, I still want you to listen because this is something that affects a lot of people. And it may not affect you, but it may affect someone you know. So the other day I told you that my daughter had come to my room and was crying and upset and experiencing some anxiety. Well, when I talked to her, what came out is that she has been suffering from body image issues. She is... All I can say is to me, she's like a model, you know, she's just perfect in my eyes, but I'm her mother and I'm totally biased. But when she was younger, she was, you know, a little bit chubby, not anything ever. She wasn't overweight by any means. She was always within normal weight for children, but I guess, you know, you could just see it in her cheeks. And she told me that... Her dad used to tell her that she was fat and would call her names and like they would, she and her brother would tease her. And I know to this day, her brother feels terrible about that, but he was just a kid, you know, and he was just following his dad, taking the lead, teasing her. And I don't even really honestly think to be totally fair with you. I don't think that her dad realized the effect that he had on her. You know, if you're a girl it seems to hit you more, I think. But it's not a disease that only affects women. It's not. And he had issues himself because he was a wrestler. And wrestlers are always made to cut weight and gain weight. And that's not healthy either. So she came to me and brought it to my attention. And I totally understood her struggle because I myself have struggled throughout the years to see my own body as something that I love. I haven't always loved myself and loved my body, you know, and I've used to always pay really close attention to what I ate to the point that it was like an obsession. And I never starved myself and I never made myself sick or anything like that. But I always, when I ate, thought about what I was eating and how many calories did it have? It became a little bit of an obsession. And I was obsessed with how I looked. And it hasn't been until I was in my 30s that I finally just made peace with it and said, you know what? My body is what it is. As long as I'm healthy, that's all I care about, really. If I'm healthy, that's what I worry about. And I try to eat things that are healthier But it doesn't mean that I don't have my moments where, you know, I eat things that aren't healthy or, you know, I eat too much. So eating like, you know, big problems, a lot of people just don't stop eating when they're full. And I'm going to talk about that too. And I'm guilty of that too. Sometimes of eating so much, I'm like, oh, why did I do that? Now I feel sick. And that's very common thing. And when she brought that to my attention, I thought, you know, that's something that 
maybe I should talk about because I think it probably affects a lot of people. And then interestingly enough, although I don't ever think anything is by coincidence, we had a professional development day and one of the breakout sessions was body image in the classroom. And I thought, huh, that's interesting. So I went to it and I went to it not just for my students, but thinking this is something that's affecting my own child. And so this is something that could be very useful. And I was blown away. In that presentation, we were given the statistic that 70% of women Well, in this, I guess they were talking about teenagers, but 70% of teenage girls have body image issues. And to me, I believe that a lot of women, it's something they struggle with their whole lives. So if you had a body image issue in your teens, to me, it's more likely that you probably still have that issue as an adult because it's something that you have to constantly battle it's almost like having an addiction. That's something that has to be battled too because body dysmorphia and eating disorders all stem, they're mental disorders. Your brain is seeing your body as not what it really is or you're obsessed with something. It's a medical condition. It really is and it needs to be There's a stigma tied to it that needs to go away. I mean, people should be able to feel freely like they can talk about it. And honestly, we need to be teaching kids in school. This should be a class that they take in elementary school. And I know that in health class, they do touch on things. But really, there needs to be a whole class about body image and how we see ourselves And there was even this statistic that I think 46% of teenage boys have body image issues. And I would dare to say that that number might even be higher, but there's a stigma with boys about admitting that they have eating disorders. And we're talking today about why is that? What happens? What's going on? Why is the number increasing so much? And I think we all know this has always been a problem. You know, you've heard the Karen Carpenter story and how she died from anorexia. She battled it her whole life. This is not a new thing. However, I think that it is becoming much more prevalent. And there are many reasons that I believe it is becoming more prevalent. The number one thing is social media. This is a cause for kids, I think, not only their body issue, their body image issues increasing, but also anxiety in general increasing because the average screen time that a teenager has per day is nine hours. That is a lot. And so when they're on social media, if they're on YouTube, they're seeing YouTubers in their face saying, you know, try this makeup and do this look and they're seeing people who are not portraying themselves the way they really are they're seeing people who are only putting their best face forward if I can be honest because when people take pictures I mean think about it think of all of the programs we have now every camera program has filters 
And it's almost rare anymore that you see someone who takes a picture where there isn't a filter on it. It's rare. And some of those filters, my goodness, they can make you look so different. And if just a normal social media filter can do that, think about what professional photographers do for models. But these are the images that our kids are seeing. And another stat that we heard today was that kids are seeing um, thousands upon thousands of pictures as they're scrolling through social media. So that's over a short amount of time. And that same stat, thousands of thousands of pictures, are what our previous generation saw over their span of their entire lifetime. Because they would only see those images if they got a magazine or maybe on television. But there wasn't as much screen time, if you think about it. Um, Earlier generations, even though there was television, a lot of parents limited the amount of television their children were allowed to watch. And I, you know, I've seen this. I know you've seen this. Parents nowadays will just hand off an iPad to a two-year-old and they're on that iPad the whole time. And I'm not criticizing anyone because I totally get it. I had twins and I mean, there were many times when Sesame Street was my best friend because I could sit them there and let them watch it while I could get some stuff done. So I get it. But I think that we're now seeing a generation of kids who have been babysat by technology, by television, by iPads. And the problem with that is that I think a lot of these kids are not really in touch with reality. And that's part of what is contributing to a lot of things like the fake news that goes around and how people don't fact check anymore. It's because, well, it's out there. It's on the Internet. It has to be true. And that's why I also think that a lot of this body image issue, I think that's where it's coming from because they're seeing people who have been airbrushed, you know, even teenagers their own age who are doing these contour videos, they have makeup, their makeup is like spot on and makes my makeup like it would put me to shame. They know how to contour everything and make them look like a skinnier nose higher cheekbones, whatever, you name it, they can fake anything. And so that leads to kids thinking this is real when it's not really real. There's a whole Dove advertisement where they they show how they make up a model for their commercial and the person doesn't even look recognizable after they've made this person up and it just shows you the tricks in that that Hollywood uses. And I don't think, and here's the the problematic part, the kids don't see that. They don't realize everything that's gone into making these people look the way that they do. And then we have like the Victoria's Secret angel models, you know, who are a size zero and one. And I go through the store and I remember like, I would look at these size zero pants and I'm thinking who in the hell can fit into these? But I know there are some women who have small frames, but I mean, that's not your average size. It's just not. Your average size is not going to be that small. But girls today believe that that is the average size and that's the size they have to be. And that's ridiculous. 
when you think about Marilyn Monroe, who is just this goddess and beautiful, and she was a size 10 or 12. And that's the normal size. But we have this ideal that like a size two or four is normal, and it's not. That's like one to 2% of the population is that size. 10 to 12 is normal. But we don't see it that way because we've been told that that's not normal. We've been told we have to look like a size four, but that's not actually normal. What's healthy is being the size that fits for your height and, you know, your frame. And the only thing really we should be worrying about is making sure that we're healthy. And the yo-yo diets, the up and the down, that's not healthy either. And now there are all these new gimmicks like there's the intermittent dieting. You have the keto diets and paleo and all of that which cuts out carbs, but it's like all protein. And I don't know. I don't know that that's necessarily good either. I think there has to be a healthy balance in what you eat. And I don't think that we're teaching our teens that well. And we were talking about it. We're like, well, why, why do we have this problem of, you know, in our country, we have a lot of obesity. And I think kids see that too. And they're like, I don't want to be that. So how do you combat that? Like, how do we get here? And how do, we, how do we go from here to be better? And we were talking about, and I, I mean, I'm from the generation where my parents said, you better clean your plate or you're not getting up. You're going to sit here until you eat it all. And the normal thing isn't to make your kids eat everything on their plate. It's they need to eat until they're full because they know when they're full. They're not going to starve to death, but we don't do that. So we say you have to sit here and you have to eat all your food. And I mean, have any of us measured out the portions to see is this the right amount that a child that age should be eating? No, we do that when they're babies. But when they become toddlers, we're just kind of like eyeballing things like, yeah, I think that's about right. And then we make our kids sit there and clean their plates. And so then they have this idea that I have to eat everything, that I have to keep eating even when I'm full, when that isn't the case. And then there's the emotional eating. And I've definitely, I've been guilty of all of this with my kids, but the emotional eating is when our children feel upset or hurt or whatever, we want to make them feel better. So what will make them feel better? Ice cream or their favorite food or whatever. So that's what we do. We cook for them and we go buy them ice cream and it's going to help them feel better. I mean, my aunt used to do that for me when I was a kid and it did make me feel better. But what made me feel really the best was knowing that she cared enough to do that for me. But my mind was confusing. I feel good because someone loves me and is showing me that they love me by taking the effort to do this for me with The food is what's making me feel good. And I think a lot of us do that. We really do. So I thought it was really interesting that 70% of girls, that's so high. I mean, I was not expecting that number to be that high. And even almost 50% of boys, I wasn't expecting it to be that high. And it, it might actually be that high if we're really to get honest, because like I said, there is a stigma around boys 
and not answering that question honestly. And I think there's also a stigma with certain um, cultures too that, you know, you don't admit that there's an eating problem. Like we don't admit that we have an issue. So the numbers may even be higher than that. But kids feel like they have to live up to, and not just kids, because it's adults too. We buy into all of that as well. And somebody said there was a quote that like, well, it can't affect you if you choose not to buy into it. But the thing is, it's in our faces all the time. And it would be hard not to buy into this hype that we have to look like these super skinny actresses on TV and, you know, they have such amazing lives. And even though there are actresses and singers now coming out who are not a size two, and people are like, yeah, they're just, they are who they are, and it's so great, then they get slammed in pictures like, oh, we saw this picture, if they have the wrong kind of clothing on. It's like it's only okay that they're that size if they choose to wear clothing that's appropriate for someone that size. And that's stupid too, and it's sending a mixed message. And there's so much that's sending a mixed message. And if you're not sure, you know, if you don't know what an eating disorder even is, I know most of us have heard of what they are, we know, but you know, a lot of people don't even realize that they have a problem with food or an eating disorder. And there are many different types. Like I said, with mine, it wasn't that I would fast or that I would you know, make myself throw up. I didn't do any of that stuff, but I did obsess about what I ate and I did obsess about, um, I would do like different dieting things. I'd be like, oh, okay, well now there's these shakes that are out. I need to try those. Or, oh, if you just take a bunch of vitamins, like that's going to help. And I mean, I even bought into this stupid program. I'm, I hate to admit this, but It was in the 90s, you know, when I was in college, and there was a program that said that if you breathe properly and you get enough oxygen, that you'll lose weight, which is like the dumbest thing I've ever heard of. But guess who was all on board? I'm like, oxygen, I can do that. And it was so stupid. Like, I can't even, I can't even go there right now thinking about me watching this dumb infomercial and being like, yeah, I bought the slim slide, the thing that was like the mat and you had the, they look like the hospital shoes that you put over your shoes, you know, that I don't know what you even call them. They look like shower caps that you put over your shoes and you kind of skate, ice skate back and forth on this. I almost like killed myself because I had it next to the window And I was doing the slim slide and I like slid right off the end and almost into the window and my family was around and they were all like cracking up. And they're like, well, you're probably not going to lose any weight, but you may die. So, you know, what's, what's better? And they love to remind me of whenever I had the slim slide and how stupid I looked. I had the thigh master. I had all that crap, you know, I even had something, it was like some metal thing that you lay on to help you do ab works, which I don't know how that was supposed to work, whatever. I I bought into every stupid hype there was because I was obsessed with looking good and, and I looked fine, but it was the way that I saw myself, which now I know is body dysmorphia. But at some point I just decided I'm happy with who I am, you know, and 
I don't think it was the like overnight, like, oh, I'm just deciding this. I mean, I think it took work. I think it just took work on me overall, loving who I am. And I found that, you know, people will, it's, it's crazy to me. People will make comments to you like that you didn't ask for anyone's opinion of you or what you look like. But boy, are people willing to give it. And I think that's another problematic thing, too. People will make innocent comments that you really want to punch people. And if you're allowed to punch people for saying stupid things, there'd be a lot of people walking around with black eyes because there are people who just say stupid things. Like, have you, people will ask, have you gained weight? And they'll also ask, have you lost weight? And no, that's meant to be a compliment. If you they think you've lost weight, then they notice that you were heavier before. You know what I mean? So it's like, why are we just commenting? Why can't we just keep it to ourselves? Why can't we just keep it to, you look so good or you look happy? I don't know why we have to make comments. Because I've told you that before in the past, I've had relatives who commented to me about my weight and it bothered me. And that stuck with me a long time. And I think that was part of why I didn't like who I was. Because up until those people made those comments, I never thought one thing about it. So I think that it also stems from people making rude comments. And those things, people have no clue. They're like, oh, it was an innocent comment. And that's what was said to me about what the person said to me was, it was an innocent comment. It, what, what I was asked, by the way, those of you who didn't hear that episode was, do you have a scale at home? Like, you look like you put on weight. Well, do you have a scale at home? Stupid, ignorant comment, you know? Didn't appreciate it, didn't ask you. And I wasn't even aware at that time that I looked heavier. And I was in high school. And honestly, I think it was just the jeans I was wearing because they were baggy. But that started it for me. That comment for me because I wasn't strong enough in my own self and in my own self-love and self-worth to withstand a comment like that and to just be like, well, you ignorant idiot. I don't care what you think about me. But I wasn't able to because I took it to heart. And that, for me, started a whole battle with my weight and with, i got to watch what I eat, I've, I've got to be very careful about it. And there, I mean, I still, I'm not going to say that I never, I don't think about food. That's not true either. Like, I do still try to watch what I eat, but I, I don't focus on it. It's not one of the things that's in the forefront of my mind like it was. I'm just, you know, I am who I am. If you don't like me, I don't care. And so if you're listening, you know, maybe something to think about, don't comment on people's weight if they don't ask. We don't know what a trigger is for other people. And I know for my daughter, her dad making comments was a trigger for her. It was a big trigger. And even just probably being around people who, when they try on clothes, are like, oh, I'm so fat, because I know that she would stay with my one cousin and she would say that. And she didn't mean anything by it, and she certainly didn't mean for my daughter to pick up anything by it. It's just something she was saying about herself. But we pick up on that. You know, as kids, I was the same way when I was around adults who would say that. You know, I'd be like, oh, it's normal to hate your body. No, it's not. Well, it is normal, but it shouldn't be normal. Like, we shouldn't hate our bodies. We should love who we are. And it's when you can become really confident in that, that you get to a place where 
you're not held prisoner by food or by the thoughts. It's the negative thoughts that pop into your mind. And it's in the same way, very similar to having an addiction. It's a way of controlling too, because a lot of people feel like they don't have control over things in their lives. And that is one thing that they can control if they control when they eat and how much they eat. Because you know, with anorexia, it's about starving yourself or under eating. You know, you would say, well, I'm only going to have this many calories today so that I can drop weight. Or, you know, some people even dehydrate themselves because they don't even want water weight. And that's so bad. Your body is made up of 60% of water. You need the water. And some people, you know, they will eat, but then throw it all up or take laxatives to get rid of it. They purge, and that's really bad for you too. Uh, I mean, it's all, even though there are different forms, it's all a form of body dysmorphia, really. Not liking the way you look, so you... You have to you have to change that somehow. You're trying to control that. And a lot of people who deal with eating disorders, they often turn to like drugs and alcohol to try to, you know, really numb that. And they may even, you know, be very promiscuous and you know, do things that they normally wouldn't do because again it, it boils down to numbing the pain, number one, and number two, trying to change and control how you look. And it's something that if you recognize, oh my gosh, that's me, I do, I have a problem, know that there's help out there and this isn't something you have to battle by yourself. With anything else, it is, it's an illness, it really is, and there should not be a stigma Because if 70% of women, well, and again, this statistic is teenage girls, but again, if you have an eating disorder as a teenager, many people still carry that into adulthood. It's something that they struggle with their whole lives. So if that many people are struggling, we've got to do a better job as a society of helping. And I think it goes back to being really real with pictures and posts and so I think the media has to do a better job because what's out there isn't real. I think that we also need to do a better job just in general teaching about nutrition and what proper eating really is. And a big part of it too is life gets so busy and to grab something frozen is so much easier or something that's already boxed up I mean, we're, it's shoved in our faces. Look, it's easy, quick family meal. And it is easier. And it's cheaper than making something from scratch and being, you know, using fresh products and being healthier. It's meal prep takes work. And a lot of us have little time. So we're automatically not gearing this towards being healthier because when we're on this go 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 lifestyle our own health tends to take a back seat we tend to put everything else first so we don't eat healthy we go for the quick food 
the things that taste better. And, you know, because eating healthy, veggies and all of that, you have to really dress them up sometimes, right? They're sometimes bland, so you have to make foods that taste good. And in order to do that, you've got to cook. And also, it's so expensive for families, you know. I think that's another reason we see a lot of obesity in this country. The foods that we're eating are killing us. Our government is allowing so many chemicals and things into our food. The interesting thing is when you go to Europe, when you travel abroad, you know, we went this summer and my brother, he has stomach issues all the time. He has to take stomach medication daily. And he said, I didn't have my medicine when we were there and I ate and I never once had a problem with my stomach. And I know it's because of the crap that we're being allowed to put in our foods, the pesticides and things they put on the vegetables and the fruits and the chemicals they put in the food that's processed to keep it lasting, you know? I mean, it sits on shelves in the store. I mean, what do we think that's going to do to our bodies? So I think that there's a lot of stuff. And, there, you know, I've read some pretty interesting articles, too, about how... If you can't read the ingredient on the label, you know, if it's got all of this chemical compound, your body doesn't know how to process that. And if the body doesn't know, it processes things just a few ways, either as a fuel, a protein, a fuel, or as fat. And if it doesn't know how to process something, it automatically processes it as fat and stores it. So you can imagine if there are all these chemicals in the foods we're eating and our bodies are like, I don't know what that is, and it just starts storing everything as fat, and no wonder, no wonder we have the issues we have. But I get that it is super expensive to eat organically. It is. But I really think that's the big difference between what we're seeing here and what we're seeing in other countries because Europeans do not eat particularly healthy. I mean, take the Germans. Their food is like meat and potatoes, but you don't always see like morbidly obese people. And I really do believe it's because a lot of the ingredients, they're fresh. They're not processed. They do, you know, they're just laws are different. I don't know. That's my soapbox about that, but I understand why we have the problems we do. And if you're, you know, experiencing eating disorders, the first thing I want you to know is you're not alone. Oh my gosh. A majority of people have eating disorders. And they said one, one in eight girls has an eating disorder. That's a lot. And it's one in 16 boys. And I think that's a lot too. So... If you have an eating disorder, the first step is realizing, yes, I have, I have a problem. And then knowing you're not alone and knowing that there's help out there. Counselors, they deal in this all the time. And a big part of it is you, there's a couple of things. You have to love yourself. You have to love who you are and be very confident in who you are. But that takes time. And it's a process. And if you have body dysmorphia, if you're seeing your body differently than everyone else does, then that's your brain 
not seeing things the way they are. And there's counseling and help for that too. But it's a process. And like anything else, it's going to take time. But help is available. And I would highly urge you to get some help if you have any of those issues going on. Because you deserve to live a healthy life and one where you're happy. And you're not happy if you're constantly comparing yourself to others and being hard on yourself. That's not making you happy. So if you find yourself in that position, it's okay to admit that you need professional help. It really is. And again, know that you're not alone. We're going to go get my daughter some help with that as well with someone who's trained in that area specifically. So I highly recommend that you do the same. There are specialists in your area and I would simply do your research and find someone who has a lot of success with clients and someone that you will connect with. And know that I am sending positive vibes your way because I totally understand what this is like. And I, I know you can overcome it. And I pray that you find the help that you need because you deserve to live the best life. You really do. All right, guys. So I wanted to uh, pull a card for you today. And the card I pulled is from the Archangel, uh, excuse me, from the Goddess Oracle deck, Goddess Guidance Oracle deck by Doreen Virtue, and it's Bridget, don't back down. Stand up for what you believe is right. I love that. I think that's all about speaking your truth, and it's so important that we speak our truth and we feel that we can. This is an interesting thing, too. In doing a lot of research on the energy chakras, one of the things that I noticed is that weight issues and thyroid issues, those can be connected to the throat chakra being blocked. If you feel like you're not being seen or heard or you're not able to speak your truth, you feel resentment, that becomes blocked, and you can see issues with your thyroid happening then. But honestly, a lot of what we do really has to do with how the way our brain functions. We learn habits. And if you had parents who said, you've got to eat until your plate is gone, you know, there's nothing left on your plate, you formed habits And so it's all about learning how to break the bad habits and how to make better habits, new habits, healthier choices. And I talked about how the brain releases chemicals that make you feel good when you do things like exercising, but the brain also releases chemicals that make you feel good when you eat sugar or you eat salt, and those things are highly addictive. So it's about learning how to break the habits that you formed. For a lot of people, it's just eating without thinking about it. You know, you go throughout your day and you're so busy and you're like, oh, I grab, I grab a handful of that and I grab a handful of this and I grab a handful of that. And I've been guilty of that. And then by the time you get done, 
you look back at what you ate during the day and you're like, oh, I forgot I ate that. Oh, I didn't remember eating that. Oh yeah, I ate that. So mindfulness helps in this area too, because if you hold yourself accountable, if you keep a journal of what you're eating, then you know, I'm eating the right amount of everything, you know, but that that's something that takes time. And it's something that you have to be very deliberate about. And a lot of people just aren't when it comes to food. They're just not very deliberate about what I'm eating. And it takes a little bit of planning. It's going to take a little more time, but it's worth it if you can strike a healthy balance. If you, you know, you don't want to starve yourself. You don't want to eat too much. It's finding that healthy balance in the middle. You know, you eat until you're full and then that's it. So being mindful about what you do during the day is going to help you a lot with that. All right, guys. Well, I want to thank you so much for joining me. And if you know anyone who is struggling and you think that this podcast might be helpful, please share it with them. I would greatly appreciate that. As always, if you like it, please subscribe. If you haven't, please share with others. Please leave me a review. I appreciate all of you who have already done that. I just want to thank you so much for being with me every day and for working with me. Don't forget that during the entire month of January, my coaching sessions are 30% off. So if you would like to work with me, now is the perfect time to do so. Also, you can see what other services I offer, Reiki, readings, past life regressions. Just go to my website, melissaopen.com. There you will see a description of my services as well as what, um, what each service costs. And then you can purchase the session on my website. And when you're ready to book, contact me and we will schedule your session. Don't forget to follow me on social media. I go live on Facebook Mondays at 530 Central, unless it's a holiday. And then it's Tuesday at 530 Central. And I also upload videos and readings to Instagram. So be sure to check that out. I want to thank you so much for being with me. I hope you have a beautiful day and that you are seeing the blessings that are all around you and being grateful for all the blessings you already have. And I hope that many more come your way. Sending you much love and light, and I will talk to you soon. Bye-bye.